One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Bienvenido to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. It was match day 34. I am Ruri Barlow. I'm your host today. I'm joined by Sam Leverage. How are you doing, Sam? I'm good. Thank you, Ruri. I'm a bit sad because I no longer have as many La Liga winners medals as Jesus Vallejo. But... Yeah, we really planned this badly to have people of the Wanda and Camp Now persuasion on for the Real Madrid's title win. But we do have Haz Karim coming up later on in the show to, to sort of delve into Real Madrid's title win. They were declared campeones. Any sort of initial thoughts on that? Anything off the top that you want to say about that, Sam? Yeah, well, nobody can say they didn't deserve it, can they? I mean, by far the best team in La Liga this season and and rightfully champions with a few games to spare as well. And I mean, all lies now on that Manchester City game in midweek, which is the real barometer of success for Carlo Ancelotti and for Real Madrid. Um, we also have... Sergio coming on to speak Cadiz later on. We've got lots of stuff to deal with in the relegation battle. A lot of draws, 5-1-1 draws this weekend. Um, but we also have sort of the European race. Atleti losing, Barcelona winning and Sevilla drawing. So a lot of non-useful results with Real Betis playing tomorrow night. They face Hatafe away from home. But was there any sort of initial thoughts that you wanted to give me before we sort of jump into Haas? Or are you all good to go? Yeah, no, let's jump into Haz and then we can talk about the top four race that nobody wants Champions League football next season by the looks of it. Excellent, sounds good. Well, brace yourselves for, for a very enthusiastic Haz Karim who spoke to Sam uh, yesterday about Real Madrid's title win. Siempre el City. Colorín, colorado. El Madrid es campeonado. Alirón, Alirón. El Madrid es campeón. Real Madrid 4. Español 0. Miguelito. Jugadores celebrándolo. So we heard the Real Madrid are campeones. And I'm joined by a very happy Hassan Karim. How are you doing, Hass? Yeah, buoyant, mate. Um, it's nice to sort of lift the Liga again, it changes hands once again, it seems to, it kind of gets passed around, so it'd be nice to be able to retain it next year, but yeah, no, it's it's, it's, it's a nice feeling man, after a, what's been more or less a very solid season throughout, really, with more highs than lows, to be honest. Yeah, and I mean, last season, of course, no silverware for the first time since 2009-10, I mean, this must have been a pretty good feeling to win La Liga again, I mean, it's not a trophy that Real Madrid have won that often in the past few years. I mean, Eden Hazard now has as many La Liga titles as Cristiano Ronaldo. So wild, 
yeah, yeah. it's crazy man um yeah no it's you know it's nice to be more regularly sort of lifting that um you know i've always been a fan that likes to see the league title lifted because i feel like across the season it shows a level of consistency and that kind of thing um you know it's, it's obviously nice to win you know cups and champions leagues and stuff but when you firmly sort of beat you know the rest of the other sides over a 38 game season that's quite quite a satisfying feeling in that sense um so yeah, it's, it's nice to, you know, I've lifted it again for the second time in uh, three in the last three years. Yeah, three years. <laughs> I still want to double check that COVID kind of throw my math out. Yeah, I mean, you did it with a team that included Jesus Vallejo, Danny yeah, Cebollas, I mean, Mariano Diaz. I mean, this was Paolo Ancelotti for seemingly like the first time this season actually rotated. Yeah, I don't know what it is since COVID hit him. It seems that he's more open to rotating the team now, which is a weird feeling. But yeah, no, it was... um. A strange lineup. I mean, when I, I saw it at first, it's like, um, why is Modric started for a start? I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, you know, Vallejo starting, haven't seen him in a starting lineup for I'm not sure how long now. Um, Casemiro at centre back, which again, odd, odd, odd one to see considering he's only just got back, you know, into fitness. Um, so there were people questioning the rotations, uh, asking him why he hasn't rotated in a different way, but you know, it worked out, you know, they absolutely did wallop, you know, Espanol at home in a game I was expecting to be harder than it should have been. So, hard yeah, but I mean, it was a, a winning in style, wasn't it? 4 0 victory to La Liga tied to I think I saw Manuel Lama and Pope said, even if you took all of the Real Madrid players off, Espanol still wouldn't score. I mean, this was a pretty authentic win, and, and then obviously, Galo Ancelotti, I mean, he bring on. Karim Benzema, Tony Cruz, I mean, he wanted to win La Liga in a, in a good way, didn't he? Yeah, it's it's a nice achievement for him, you know, obviously given all the flack I've given him over the season, you know, it's, it's nice to see him sort of get that moment and uh, again make history and he's now won every title available as a Real Madrid coach, which is nice for him as well. Exactly, so looking ahead then, I mean, next up is that second leg against Manchester City, 4-3 down from the first leg. Mm. What's your verdict? Are Real Madrid going through? I think uh, it's going to be a, a very, very tough clash. Uh, I mean, psycho, you know, we were exchanging WhatsApp messages in the aftermath of the first leg, and I said, you know, to, the fact that we're still 4-3 in it on the aggregate score is impressive considering how thoroughly outplayed we were in that first leg. But with Casemiro back, which would be a massive help because I don't feel Cruz is an actual DM anyway. Um, you know, that'll really help sort of stabilise the midfield and sort of nullify the level of running that Man City put forward from, you know, midfield in their forward line, given the players and profiles they've got. Um, but, you know, also, I think we've seen it this season a couple of times, you know, teams come to the Bernabeu and there's just something about, you know, the, the Madrid crowd, the, you know, the sort of never-say-die attitude of, of the Madrid team as well that kind of just overwhelms teams. You know, Chelsea thought they were home and dry, then still managed to buckle and started making mistakes. PSG completely crumbled, which was beautiful to watch, and I still thoroughly enjoy watching the highlights of that now. Um, but, you know, th there's just something about that. So it'll be interesting to test City's metal in that sense and see, you know, just how big their balls really are. So has the big question then. Two trophies won this season, the Supercopa and La Liga. Is there going to be a third one? I think, yeah, I think if, if we make it, I've, I've said to everybody pretty much within earshot that I've had the chance to talk to us about, I think whoever progresses between City and Madrid with the entire thing, personally, I think that's how it goes. Um, so 
should we progress, I think, yeah, we can go all the way. And I know you're a Liverpool fan by nature. I can't wait for Liverpool to thrash Real Madrid for anyone in the final. <laughs> but yeah, so I think whoever progresses between the two of us will probably take the entire thing. But yeah, I feel like there's a good shot that we can we can pull it off. I mean, I'd say the first goal is obviously the most important in that tie. I mean, even if City do not have the first goal, you know, if Madrid can somehow still win 2-1, that takes through to extra time and then, you know, drag him into deep waters there. Um, which I feel like that would favour us more than them. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Haz. I will leave you to get back to looking at pictures of the Bellas and just stroking <laughs> them lovingly and yeah, enjoy your celebration. All morning, just literally rolling through Getty images, just staring at all those beautiful pictures that are all up there right now. And then we'll hand back to, to Rory, who's getting over the heartbreak of seeing Real Madrid lift the title, but we'll discuss <laughs> the rest of the, the action in our league. Thanks, Haz. No worries. My thanks to Has Karim there um, for, for giving us his thoughts on Real Madrid, who are campeones, and as you said earlier, Sam, deservedly so. Moving on to that European race, and uh, yeah, I, I hate to, to bring you on to this topic, but Atleti, 2-0 defeat to Athletic Club. It was a pretty hopeless performance at times, and they face Real Madrid next. As you say, nobody seems to want this uh, sort of fourth Champions League spot. Atleti... Now they, they face the prospect of Real Betis reading them in to within one game um, and, and the Madrid derby coming up. Where did it kind of go wrong on Saturday night at San Mamés though? Well, where didn't it go wrong for Atletico Madrid at San Mamés? <laughs> I mean, they haven't won at San Mamés since 2017 and I think there was almost that mental factor. But then, I mean, the defence was just disastrous. I mean, Osema Jiménez looked like he wasn't fully fit. And then you had Mario Hermoso who was all over the place being like a, don't want to be harsh but he was a bit of a clown defensively almost at times just throwing legs and arms and all sorts out and then even Reynildo didn't have a great game and I mean it was just so un-Diego Simeone like in terms of kind of Atletico's actual structure and and way of playing and I think this is the danger that Atletico have is that they do have some players like Luis Suarez like Hector Herrera who have very unclear futures and I mean, if you don't have a good game and you've already announced that you're going to go play in MLS next season, you're opening yourself up for criticism. And and it was a very difficult one to watch an Atletico fan, but fair play to Athletic. I thought they really kind of exploited Atleti's weaknesses. I mean, Yaki Williams was superb just with his pace causing so many problems. And I mean, it showed kind of a real kind of tactical masterclass from Marcelino and just what he's capable of doing. And that's the this is the kind of game where he can help Athletic to be a much better team than they actually are in terms of the personnel and, and I think his days at Athletic might be numbered but this is the kind of game that Athletic fans will remember him for. Yeah I do think there is something to Athletic sort of under the lights big games Marcelino especially under him it does seem to have an effect on does seem to bring the best out of them. Uh, credit to them I was kind of fascinated by both Jimenez and uh, All Black in their comments after the game um, just touch on them briefly. Jimenez said that, um, yeah, we're conceding more goals, we're defending poorly, but it's partly down to the change in style, which I thought was an interesting one. And All Black afterwards was, he was in the Flash interview, so he was kind of right after the match. And he said that 
he didn't know what was going wrong and he said it two or three times he didn't know he said that they had the personality in the dressing room and then they come out on the pitch and you just don't see it uh, and it was pretty worrying for from my point of view that they said well he said they have four games left to sort of solve it but to still be having problems that you don't know what they are with four games to go not great is it sam no, not at all. I mean, this is a thing. I mean, these problems have been around since kind of October, November time. I mean, that's what, 20, 30 games that have been played since then. And Atleti still haven't identified the problem. I mean, it happened earlier in the year, kind of around the new year. Atleti were on a really bad run and it seemed like something had happened to fix it. There was talk of payment issues that were going on and that the club had made an effort, I think, was Diego Simeone's terms and his way of putting it, and then the form picked up, and now it's gone back to how it was before. So I think this is more than just a morale issue or anything like that. I think there is quite clearly a, a rupture, whether it's stylistically, whether it's within the squad. I mean, it's it's very hard to tell from outside, but I feel like in two or three years, we might look back on this season within Atletico Madrid and and hear some more stories about exactly what went on to to make this happen, because it's, it's very strange. And as you say, I mean, Oblak and Jimenez, players who have been at Atletico for a long time under Diego Simeone for a long time and have a good relationship with him but those are kind of veiled criticisms of their coach so it's a very strange atmosphere at Atletico at the moment. Yeah certainly a, a sort of air of misunderstanding or lack of understanding at Atleti that we're not quite used to. Moving on to a club which is permanently defined by a lack of understanding at times it seems. Barcelona did actually get a win this weekend at home for the first time in four attempts. They beat Mallorca 2-1. There was goals from Memphis. Uh, and then uh, Mallorca sort of pulled one back in the second half. But Barcelona were, for my money, better than they were in recent weeks, weren't they, Sam? Yeah, well, I think they had to be after those three home defeats in a row. They had to be much better against Mallorca. And, I mean, 2-1 isn't perhaps the greatest of results but just before that goal for Mallorca there was a goal ruled out for offside on Ferran Torres that doesn't happen and we're looking at a 3-0 result and and it's a much different feeling for Barcelona fans but I mean yeah I think they were much more fluid they looked more like the kind of team unit which has a plan that we've seen under Xavi I mean Sergio Busquets and that's his third goal this season which is the same as Antoine Griezmann has just to depress Atletico Madrid fans a little bit more but, I mean, yeah, I think Barcelona were, were looking much more like the Barcelona that we've seen in, in the last few months. Not quite as good yet, but considering they didn't have Pedri in midfield, with Ansu Fati obviously coming back in as well as a substitute, that will give them a big push going into the last few weeks. Yeah, a massive moment with Ansu coming back, returning to the field of play. Big roar at the camp now. And, uh, yeah, I do think Barcelona were a lot more dynamic than in recent weeks, but really helps that Mallorca did miss that sort of early golden chance that Fernino had and that's been where they've kind of fallen down in my view is conceding very early in, in those kind of free home games that they've lost. Um, moving on to Rayo Vallecano, they drew one all with Real Sociedad. Uh, this was, it made me roll my eyes that uh, Real Sociedad conceded late on to, to draw this one. What would your kind of take on it, Sam? It was kind of Real Sociedad's season all over. I mean, They've been like this all season. They just can't convert the chances. I mean, they're dominating play every single week, but they can just never seem to convert that dominance into goals. And I mean, we're seeing them. I mean, they're only a couple of points off top four. And I mean, Atletico is slipping up, Sevilla is slipping up, Barcelona is slipping up. You just think if Real Sociedad had, for example, Alexander Isak on top form consistently, 
they could be, you know, pushing top two, top three easily. And and that's the difference in this Real Sociedad team between kind of conference league and top four. And you just wonder when they're going to get that striker who can do that. But at the same time, I mean, fair play to them. They did really well against Real Vallecano. I mean, they did dominate. They haven't really missed that absence of Mikel Ayorzabal as much as we thought they might do a few weeks ago when he initially had that injury. And fair play to Ray. I mean, Falcao came on, scored with pretty much his first touch and and was superb for them. So Rayo is starting to pick up results again and, and that's good for everyone who likes to watch them in our league. Yeah, um, La Real, um, I love Porto. I think he's a great player. I think he's very useful and I think he does a lot of hard work. But this season is Senor Antigol. Got put through one-on-one again, sort of missed another big chance. And, and yeah, that sort of striking issue is massive for them. Alexander Surlot, who, who did score today and, and was pretty good, um, they've not taken up the option to pay sort of 15 million to uh, buy him permanently from Leipzig, which is interesting. I don't know if they're just trying to negotiate it down or not. And then just finally, we'll touch on Cadiz in the second half of the show, but Sevilla, more dropped points. Did you, did you have anything to say about you and Lopetegui to annoy the Sevillistas on our show? I mean, it is very severe. I mean, you know, kind of a bit like Real Sofia there in a way that they dominate games. They they look much better. You can tell they've got the quality, but they just don't turn it into results. And I think I saw a stat the other day. I think it's that they've only got four wins from their last 14 La Liga matches. And you think about where they were 14 La Liga matches ago, and we were talking about a proper title race against Real Madrid. And now we're talking about them potentially dropping out in the top four. So, I mean... The injuries obviously play a factor, but I think fans can be frustrated with Adrian Lopetegui because they aren't killing games off. I mean, Yusuf Enezeli got a really early goal against Cadiz. You'd think, come on, let's push for a second goal, kill off the tie, and then we can relax. And nothing else to play for in Europe or anything like that now for Sevilla, but they didn't do that. They allowed Cadiz back into the game, and, and Cadiz were good value for their point. Yeah, once again, Yulian Lopetegui and the team booed off the park at the Ramon Sanchez Piece One, and uh... It does seem as if it's the same issues that they're not sorting uh, as well, Sam, which I think partly contributes to it. But there was a cre- lot of credit to give to Cadiz, and we will find out a bit more about that in the second half of the show. We're going to take a quick break, but do not go anywhere. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to the La Liga Loren podcast from match day 34 coming to the end of the La Liga season. Now, it does mean that the relegation race is hotting up. One of the teams that have come from almost nowhere, it seems like, are Cadiz. So we went with Sam, spoke to Sergio Vargas at Cadiz Analytics on Twitter. And here is what he had to tell us. se sitúa medio metro por delante de esa área grande le pega Lucas qué golazo gol 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 so I am now joined by Sergio Vargas, who is a Cadiz fan, Cadiz Analytics on Twitter. You may know him. He was at the game in Seville on Friday night. Thanks for joining us, Sergio. Hi, Sam. Thanks for having me. So how are you? What did you make of the game on Friday night? Do you think the Cadiz deserved the point that they took from the Sanchez B1? Yeah, uh, we started really bad at, at the beginning of the game. Um, Sevilla were flying. Um, I think we were a bit unlucky to get that goal, but then I think we started to play quite well after the, the first 20 minutes, maybe. Um, we were quite good, even in possession. Um, and yeah, uh, up until the goal, I think we were quite good, even better than Sevilla. And yeah, we managed to get one point. Um, it could have been three, but we didn't manage to, to make many... Um, Many shots, really, uh, but Sevilla didn't either. So, yeah, probably one point was was deserved for both teams. Yeah, and I mean, talking of shots, I mean, it was a fantastic goal from Lucas Perez and yeah. he has quite some impact since he joined from Elche. I mean, how good a signing has he been? I mean, three goals in 11 games mm -hmm. since joining. Yeah, especially the last few games, he's been, yeah, he's been great. Um, he started quite good in January when he came or... Maybe it was February because it was the last day of the January transfer window. He started quite good. Then I think I remember he lost his spot on the team. I think Choco and Negredo were playing together for a, for a few games. But then, yeah, the last few games he started again. Um, yeah, in the starting 11 against Barcelona as well, when Sergio did some changes. Um, he scored there. Yeah, he missed another one, clear one. Um, yeah, against Seville, he was playing really good. Uh, he had one really great chance 
at the in the first half, which uh, Bono did a, an amazing save, and well, obviously the the goal was amazing. Yeah, we couldn't believe it. Yeah, and there were a lot of Cadiz fans in Seville. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think at least I'd say at least a thousand, but you can really tell I was there. Yeah, there were a lot of people. Um, yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great to get that goal. Um, we were able to celebrate that. Yeah, I mean, you touched on on Sergio there. I mean, mm-hmm. what kind of impact has he had? Because obviously, when Alvaro Tavera left, the fans weren't too happy. But Sergio has picked the results up, and things have improved a little bit. I mean, are fans mm-hmm. happy with Sergio now? I think now, yeah, really happy, really happy. It was a really tough spot for him, really. Um, obviously, Alvaro Tavera has probably been the best manager in Cadiz history. Um, this season, things weren't working. Um, but still people loved him a lot and respect him a lot. So it was a really tough spot for Sergio. Um, we were quite reluctant at the beginning. Um, but yeah, he's, he's managed to change the team uh, mentally, uh, technically, the way we play. Um, he's changed the way we play um, and we've, we have managed to get more points. I think it's um 18 points now because i think Cervera managed to get uh 14 win 32. um yeah he's done really great it was a really tough atmosphere the fans were happy with the president with the decision of sacking alvaro um but yeah he's done really well but i think it's the the improvement of the team has has come from from different ways um the the signings in the january transfer window has they have worked quite quite well, not, not only Lucas, but Alcaraz, um, even Luis Hernandez, Idrisi, they have they have played quite well. I think with Alvaro, the players weren't weren't believing in his idea, in his style anymore. I think they were quite a bit a bit tired of it. Um because it's a really quite difficult style of playing um, most of the time. Just defending, which can be tiring, can be tiring mentally for the players. Um, and yeah, Sergio's done really well, changing all of that. Yeah, so I mean, the big question for you, Sergio: Are Cadiz going to stay up this season? One point clear of the relegation zone with four games to play. Will Cadiz be in Primera or Segunda next season? <laughs> I think last time I spoke with you guys, it was in January, and Sergio probably. I think he was just starting, maybe one game in. And I was already optimistic. So now, yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, um, it's going to be really tight. It's just one point off Granada, right? So looking at the calendar, it's going to be it's going to be tough. Next game, Elche. People are thinking it's going to be an easy game uh, because they, they're safe now. And last season, we kind of made them a favor because we were in the opposite uh, spots. Um, and we kind of let them win here in in Cardiff, but it's going to be tough, but I'm optimistic because this team is competing really well and we have shown now that uh, we're able to get points off Barca, Sevilla, um, Real Madrid is also coming, but they're already champions, so I think we're going to be able to make it, yeah. Yeah, fingers crossed for all of you Cardiff fans. Thanks for joining us, Sergio. Thank you, Sam. Anytime. Let's hand back to Rory to talk about the rest of the action.
My thanks to Sergio Vargas Cadiz Analytics on Twitter and an excellent follow as well for all things Cadiz. They got the they got a point, a valuable enough point, but the big winners, I think, at the bottom were probably Alaves, who beat Villarreal 2-1. It slices the gap almost in half. It was seven points and now off the bottom, four points. Massive, massive three points, wasn't it, Sam? Yeah, huge win. I mean, there were some big results down at the bottom this weekend, and I think Alaves in particular was, was a really big result for them. I mean, they're a very weird case because I feel like the, the appointment of came a little bit late for them almost. I mean, Mendeleva is a much better profile coach, but he couldn't get the results. Now the results are starting to come in, but I mean, Alaves' spine is quite strong and, and up against Villarreal. I mean, a team who, who've got one eye, if not one and a half eyes on the, the Champions League in midweek up against Liverpool. And and they just took advantage in in the ideal way, I guess you could say. Yeah, Villarreal, a bit disappointing, frustrating again. Paco Alcácer missed a, a couple of big chances. Samuel Chukwete took a lot of bad decisions, but was also their most dangerous player. So, um, But all eyes, as you say, kind of on that Liverpool tie. Quickly, do you give them a chance? No, I don't think so. I think Liverpool are just too good to <laughs> surrender a two-goal lead. And I mean, it's not going to be easy for them in, in Villarreal as well. I mean, it's going to be a really good atmosphere down there and and it will be interesting to see how they get on, but I don't think that Villarreal can can overturn a two-goal deficit. The team who replaced them at the bottom, Alaves that is, was Levante, who did get a draw against Valencia in the Valencian derby. A late goal from Oscar Duarte equalised Hugo Duro's goal. It was a decent performance from Levante. They put up a good fight, but these are games that they kind of need to be winning, aren't they? Yeah, and I mean, this is kind of very Levante's second half of the season. I mean, this was a proper derby, a proper Jose Bordalas derby and so on. But these are the kind of performances that we've seen from Levante, which is so frustrating because if they played like this and like they have in the last few weeks throughout the whole season, they'd be comfortably mid-table. But they've only started playing like this in the last few weeks. And I mean, it was a good result to get a one-all draw at Mestalla, but they've had so many thrashings in the first half of the season that they're kind of signed resigned to relegation now and I think it's too little too big a gap now I mean it's what is it six points that they need to make up with four games to play I don't think that's going to happen and if it was to happen they need to start winning these games like this one in Amistaya and 60 minutes against 10 men there then we have a better chance yeah Morales at the heart of all the good things for Levante again but looks like it just might not be enough um, on the other hand Granada they also got a point late late I think it was given to Darwin Machis in the end. He crossed it. Luis Mia celebrated like he scored, but um, it doesn't seem like he got a touch. That equalised the goal from... Well, it was given as a Puerta's own goal by some. It was given to Iago Aspas by others. But I thought this was very very much a microcosm of, of both teams this season. I don't know what you you made of it, Sam. Yeah, well, Celta were just so inconsistent. I think this was a good microcosm display because at times they were by far the better teams and at other times they looked all over the place in Granada. Again, a little bit too little, too late, too chaotic. I mean, I think this was the 10th point they picked up in injury time this season, which is incredible. And they'd be down and out for sure if it wasn't for those goals. And they do kind of have that belief and that's what makes you think that they can keep going. I mean, Aitor Karanka, I think he's still only had, what, 10 days since he was appointed. I think you can tell the difference that Granada do look a little bit more defensively solid and 
it was unfortunate. I think Thiago Aspas even said after the game that his shot was going wide and it was an own goal. It wasn't on target when he fired. And I mean, you know, slim, slim margins, and that's what will cost Granada at the end of the season. When I mean that slight defection, which turns it from a a shot going wide to a goal, and that could be the difference between one point and three. And at the moment, that's the difference between being in the bottom three and being out of it. Yeah, I have to say, as much as even if he's made them a bit more solid, kind of at the back, I do think this performance really reminded me of Robert Moreno, to, to be perfectly honest, because there were so many times when they lost the ball in midfield, sloppy play gets robbed from them, and Iago Aspas was running at the defence. I thought Celta probably should have scored another, and again, microcosm of their season as well, lack of focus, as Chacho Coudet has, has accused his players of, once again came back to bite them. Um, anything more on kind of the relegation race or, or race to avoid it, as you say? No, I mean, it's just all so tight at the moment. I feel like Granada are probably a better team than Mallorca or Cadiz. And they're just not picking up the results, especially of late. I mean, that 0-0 draw against Atleti last weekend was a good result. And, and maybe Granada, the team that you're most positive about, I think next weekend is going to be the big one. I mean, we have Mallorca-Granada, which is as much of a six-pointer as you're going to get at this stage of the season. And a lot will depend on that. And I'm not convinced that Granada are going to have the firepower to break down a Javier Aguirre team at home. And at home, they have been very good under Javier Aguirre. So I think that result could be the one where we start to see this relegation battle start to, to slimmer away and we start to say our goodbyes to Granada. Yeah, it's a, it's a tasty jornada next week because we've got Atleti against Real Madrid. You've got Betis welcoming Barcelona as well down to the Benito Villamarín, so that will be certainly be exciting. Just quickly, Elche Osasuna one all. Was there much to say? This Ante Budimir scored for the sixth game in a row. That was a Osasuna record. Um, credit to him. Kind of makes me wonder why he wasn't playing earlier in the season. But yeah, anything else to kind of add on that one? No, I think we discussed it just before we started recording. There was five one-all draws in the nine games that were played out over the weekend. And I think this was kind of a tea, a proper game of two teams who, you know, they don't have too much more to play for Rosasuna, kind of harboring that very faint hope of pushing for Europe and knowing that it was a big ask. And and in the end, they just couldn't quite break down a very organised Elche team. But it was also one of those moments where you sit back and think, wow, like, look at how far Elche have come. Because earlier on this season, we would have said one all against Osasuna is a great result. And this weekend, we came away feeling like maybe Elche should have done a bit better there. And, Francisco's really turned their season around. Yeah, uh, 5-1-1s, as you say, kind of tells its its own story um, in itself of this weekend. Moving on, we're kind of coming to the end of the show now. We, we've whizzed through those games and we're on to our MVP picks. Who are you going with first, Sam? Well, first of all, I think it has to be a player from the champions. I think this weekend, Rodrigo Gómez was a star man. I mean, Espanyol didn't put up too much of a fight, let's be honest. But, I mean, young Brazilian, he's he's had chances come and go this season. And in the last few weeks, especially when he's had chances come, even from the bench, he's, he's made the difference. He's found the back of the net and he did exactly that. I mean, two goals against Espanyol in that first half, which kind of turned the party atmosphere on and there were no more nerves around the Bernabeu. And, and he was able to celebrate that. And that's the kind of atmosphere I think he really thrived in. Yeah, he seems to be really starting to come into his own. I'm going to go with my first pick for somebody who slayed the reigning champions before this weekend, and that's Inyaki Williams. 
we, he comes in for a lot of criticism and it's sort of an unavoidable fact that he's probably never going to be a clinical finisher but when he is effective and when he does I think it went down as an OG in the end from Hermoso but when he does cause the goals even if he doesn't get credited with them he needs to have the credit he, he obviously had that sort of Penenka as well against Jan Oblak and it, it was sort of significant I think it was uh, it showed the sort of confidence that was coursing through Athletic and when they are on song when they are on form Iñaki kind of embodies them in the fact that maybe not the most clinical maybe not the most technically gifted team in La Liga but what they do they do do very well uh, and the way they sort of go about it the way they sort of run teams into hell and, and sort of just are all over them Iñaki kind of embodies that and so yeah, I'm going to give him his props this week. Going for your second pick, Sam, who are you going for? Yeah, well, I mean, you just mentioned Inyaki and the confidence and, and so on. I think another player very similar is Lucas Perez. I mean, three games in a row that he's scored for Cadiz and big goals. I mean, his goals in the last three games are worth four points alone. I mean, that's exactly why they signed him late on in January and it was a fantastic free kick. I mean, really one of the best goals of the season. We heard that in the commentary introducing Sergio earlier on. And I think he is the kind of quality player that Cadiz needs to stay up. And his performances, especially against Sevilla, have shown exactly why. Yeah, that was um, it was quite some free kick, I have to say. I'm going to go for Memphis, who, who also scored a sort of very good goal, I think. Um, it takes this sort of touch from the Jordi Alba ball over the top brings it down and then manages to finish sort of as the bouncing ball comes down. And he, at the start of the season, what made Memphis so good was that he really didn't care. And he had a bit of attitude and a bit of swagger. And, and that benefited Barcelona a lot when there was a lot of negativity surrounding the team. And he came in, he started from the left this time with Aubameyang ahead of him. I think it really benefited him, I have to say. I think Memphis drove Barcelona forward. He provided a bit of dynamism, a bit of invention to this team. That was really lacking it in recent weeks and he came on against um in the last match against rio and had a few nice touches but obviously didn't quite manage to sort of get the ball over the line this week he did and i think memphis was a big part of the reason that barcelona won this match and yeah i, I don't know exactly where he's going to end up i think barcelona will maybe try and sell him this summer i think i don't know exactly where his kind of best position will end up because i don't know I, th I think xavi maybe prefers others on the left hand side but the performances that he put in today and sort of in the last few minutes against Rayo, they were pretty big. And I, I think um, if he continues on that sort of frame of mind um, and that sort of yeah attitude to drag Barcelona through these situations, then he's got a good chance of winning a starting place, to be honest, in these last few games at least. And um, we're going to move on to our moments of the week as we kind of wrap up the show. Sam, I think there's probably some obvious ones coming here. Um, who are you going to go for? What are you going to go for? Yeah, well, I think it has to be the the incredible kind of Real Madrid and their celebrations, particularly at the end of the the day. And I mean, Carlo Ancelotti on the team bus, kind of partying away, pictures of him with cigars, tapping Benzema on the shoulder to go around the other side. I mean, just looked like great fun as the team headed down to the Belles with all of their fans and, and enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm going for, for a similar sort of uh, vibe with my one. I'm going for Marcelo. I think um, me and Marcelo have had our differences in the past um, over, over the many years where we've um, enjoyed Spanish football together. But this did seem like it's his crowning moment. It seems like his last hurrah. He was speaking to El Chiringuito after game and said that um, 
I don't know what's going to happen with my future. I'll make it clear that I want to stay, um, but I don't know what's going to happen. And so it does seem as if this might be his last sort of uh, title, perhaps, if they don't win the Champions League with Real Madrid. He was kind of on top of the statue at Cibeles and, and kind of leading those celebrations. Got an assist in the game as well. I thought it was very good against Espanyol. And so, yeah, hats off to Marcelo, who's probably one of the one of the best left-backs we've ever seen in La Liga. So, uh, yeah, um, I will end my sort of moment on that on that kind of note and as we come to the ending note of this episode i'm gonna direct you um kindly towards the la liga lowdown website where sam had a, a very good joaquin piece up recently which is is well worth reading um if we're if we're, if we're gonna go go for sort of veterans and golden moments we should go there but thank you for your contributions to the show today sam no thanks for having me Rory. and a pleasure as always to speak to you a pleasure to have any of you Along with us listening to the La Liga Lowdown podcast, we'll end on kind of Real Madrid's celebrations, as is only fitting, felicidades to the campeones. <laughs>